in this podcast, I talk with Roberto from Italy about the limits of direct restorations, when we should go for an indirect restoration. Since this podcast is all about looting, we talk about looting indirect composites, hybrid ceramics, ceramics, and even fiber posts. This podcast is part of the GSEM-1 symposium in preparation of the 100th birthday of the GC Corporation. Have fun listening. Welcome to today's show. I'm connected to Italy with Roberto. Welcome, Roberto. Hi, George. Nice, nice to be here with you today. Thank you very much for this kind invitation. We're actually going to talk today about looting and indirect restorations. So the question which comes to mind is, where do you start? Where does your direct restoration end? And where do you start with your indication for indirect restorations? Yes, well, the topic is pretty... Why it is pretty controversial, for sure, because you know that our dentists more skilled with uh, direct composite restorations and others that prefer indirect for many different reasons. I'm mainly a prosthodontist. I, I've been working at the university in the division of prosthodontics for more than 20 years. So you can imagine that my background is mainly indirect, okay? Anyway, nowadays composites are for sure uh, very... Smart materials, very interesting, both for uh, mechanics, biomechanics and aesthetics. So according to me, maybe that uh, the dimension, first of all, of the cavity to be filled. Secondly, the number of restoration to be made. And then mainly it's the most important parameter, the occlusion, can be the variables that can lead me toward a decision uh, for a direct or indirect restoration. For sure, you have to also consider that the average dentist uh, has to take care of his time. So maybe a direct restoration is a one-shot appointment, but it's longer than an indirect restoration. So it depends on the attitude and the skill of the dentist, for sure. But I guess that according to my experience at the university with the undergraduate students, for sure, The dimension and the complexity of the restoration is the first issue to be targeted, for sure. Actually, it's kind of interesting. I thought you would be, say, for example, the size of the contact point. That's usually like a quite prosthodontic way of thinking. I'm surprised that you didn't say that. Well, as I told you before, for sure, it depends on the on the attitude and on the skill of the dentist. I can give you my experience with indirect restoration and the contact areas because it's more than 15 years that I've been working with uh, CAD CAM systems and with the digital technologies. And I can tell you that if you work on your own, I'm thinking about the designing of the restoration, or if you refer to a dental technician, you will have for sure very different outcomes according to the software you're using, according to the material. So in my opinion, uh, I've been working with uh, a couple of dental technicians for many years. And for example, when we started treating uh, lithium disilicate and uh, ZLS, so zirconia-reinforced lithium silicates, with the same offset paramet parameters of the software, we had completely different uh, results. So the management of the contact areas, uh, both in direct and in indirect restoration, is uh, 
pretty complex, according to me. For sure, you can imagine that uh, in direct management of uh, contact areas, for the average dentist, it's something safer, it's something simpler, because you just have to refer to a good shaping, a good designing of the restoration during the the cat cam phase, the cat phase, more or less. Okay, so I I'm according. I I agree with you when you say that uh, the management of this topic is uh, very very uncomfortable sometimes when we talk about direct restoration. That's why, firstly, I told you the um, dimension of the cavity and the number of cavities you have to to treat is very important because, of course, if you have just a first class, maybe you have no problems, even if it's uh, pretty wide. Whilst if you have a second class or if you have uh, several MOD cavities to be managed in the same appointment, maybe it's very much more difficult for a direct restorative approach. I think when it comes to time, every dentist understands that not every pa patient wants to come 10 times for <laughs> a single illustration. And even sometimes quadrant appointments are kind of a hassle with directs, especially when it comes to occlusion. Yes, definitely, definitely. I also think something, uh, if you are talking about uh, direct restoration with a very skilled dentist, Maybe you can manage uh, six anterior direct veneers in a couple of hours. Whilst mm -hmm. if you have to treat, uh, if you have to deal with the dentist with uh, no great attitude towards this kind of restoration, maybe the time becomes longer. So in my experience nowadays, for sure, a prostate treatment requires at least three or four appointments, but I can shorten them according to my current workflow. For sure, you know, it's always a borderline topic, This uh, the one you chose for me today. <laughs> so it, it mainly depends on the expectations of the patient. It depends on, on his compliance because, first of all, we have to think that composite restorations uh, can be extremely natural tooth-like in their appearance, but they have to be somehow controlled over time, while more or less... I say more or less because ceramics have, of course, their margins, their interfaces, but usually the main aesthetic result uh, is much more comfortable for the patient. So it depends on so many different variables, and we have not to, forgot, to forget that uh, the cost of these restorations can be very, very different. Although I can tell you that in Italy, in our market, in our dental market, if you go to top-notch restorative dentist, you can pay as much as for an indirect restoration sometimes. It depends on the target of the dentist and of the patient, of course. Well, you have some popular dentists for composite in Italy. Yeah, definitely. Definitely <laughs> and, we have. <laughs> and one famous quote from Vanini is, well, I can do a natural-looking central incisor. It's going to cost you a thousand euro. If I do it direct and just add something or indirect and cut something away, <laughs> but yeah, the price is the same. <laughs> This yeah. was exactly my point. <laughs> When we're talking about composites, do you also have experience about indirect composites in the posterior region? Yes, definitely I have because I started this kind of clinical pathway when I was a PhD student in Siena with Professor Marco Ferrari. Because at that time, we were using materials just like Gradient Direct and Gradia Core to make this kind of indirect restorations. 
For sure, the performance, according to me, is just in the mid, in between a direct and indirect ceramic uh, restorations, for sure. I can also tell you that uh, it's about four years that we are uh, working at the university in Naples, uh, at the University Federico II, where I'm actually teaching with my director, Professor Fernando Zarone. We're working with uh, hybrid ceramics and racing nanoceramics. So, you know, it's a very huge family of new, innovative and smart materials that are just in between composites and uh, ceramics. According to our experience, they are much more similar to composites than to ceramics. And I can tell you that the average performance in the medium term, of course, because I have data looking back at no more than four years, of course, they are really encouraging because... The quality of the indirect treatment of composites is, uh, according to me, excellent. You can take advantage in the cementation using the same material to loot your indirect composite restoration. So you will have just one adhesive interface instead of two. And this could be a very interesting point from uh, a clinical viewpoint. And you have to consider as well that uh, finishing and polishing of uh, composite restoration even though they are direct or indirect, is much more uh, easy and reliable than one on ceramics. If you are uh, finishing a very, very thin margin in lithium disilicate or something like that, you can have uh, some kind of uh, microchipping at level of the margin with uh, an higher exposure of the luting agent. So it can give you problems over time. So for sure, the general management of indirect composite restoration, according to me, is really, really user-friendly and really interesting. Also because in our dental market in Southern Italy, you can uh, make the cost uh, much lower than uh, a ceramic indirect restoration. So according to our patients, you know, we don't live in a very rich area of Italy. And so we have to treat usually average people. So they cannot afford 1,000 euros for a restoration. Maybe they want something more than a direct restoration and you can make them happy with this kind of uh, hybrid situation. How do you loot these indirect hybrid ceramics? You already mentioned it, but uh, let's go more in the details of the looting. Okay, we have to make, first of all, a kind of uh, didactic classification of the materials because you know that when we talk about in direct restorations, we mainly think about ceramics. So I think about the conventional glass ceramics, just like feldspathic, just like leucite, just like fluoroceramics, and so on. But nowadays, I guess that no dentist in the world would, would use feldspathic ceramics for an overlay, for example, because of the brittleness of the material. Although I can tell you that If we move to the anterior areas, uh, I still use feldspathic ceramics for ceramic veneers in some specific cases. All these materials are etchable, and this is a very, very good point for the cementation. If we move to other kinds of ceramics, just like the polycrystalline cores, first of all, we have to say that they are not really ceramics, because if we talk about zirconia or If we will go in talking about uh, alumina, maybe next year, because some manufacturers are proposing alumina once again, so we are going back to the 20,000 more or less. These materials are extremely resistant, but they are not etchable. 
So you know that nowadays between researchers and between clinicians, there's a kind of friendly struggle about the possibility to adhesively loot this kind of restorations. I mainly refer to tabletops or uh, onlays, overlays, inlays with zirconia. And we can go back to this point in a few minutes. In between these two classes, we have all this new family of hybrid ceramics that mainly refer to ZLS or PICM, so the polymer infiltrated ceramic networks. We have, uh, there's a, a very interesting recent paper by Marcus Blatz classificating these materials in a new way. I refer to the clinical approach to these materials rather than to their uh, mechanical and chemical composition and properties. And according to the percentage of uh, composite or ceramics, you can go for etching, you can go for sandblasting, you can go for coupling primers, just like silanes or MDP, or you can even mesh all these kind of approaches. Of course, if you decide, for example, let's think about hybrid racing nanoceramic. If you want to go for etching and salt blasting, you have to respect a strict workflow because you have prior to etch the material and then to sandblast, of course, and not the opposite. So in my opinion, usually I go for etching when I have a completely glassy material. So I mainly refer to feldspatic ceramics, to leucite reinforced ceramics, and to lithium disilicate. When I have to face with hybrid materials, just like ZLS, in that cases, I usually etch the material, although I know that the glassy face is much lower than a traditional glassy ceramics. And then I do not like to sandblast the material, so I prefer to use Coupling agents just like MDP, just like M MDDP, or even novel materials just like the universal self-adhesive systems. Whilst when I have to deal with polycrystalline cores, in that case, as a clinician, I prefer to adopt the mild sunblasting. So I use alumina particles of 50 microns and... Uh, I do not like uh, to use the conventional adhesive approach because I've seen with my eyes at the SEM, the scanning electron microscope, that although I make a very aggressive etching of, for example, zirconia, I cannot achieve uh, that cobble-like aspect just like the glass ceramics. So in that case, I prefer to go for uh, a chemical approach to adhesion. I mean mainly MDP, I mean uh, silane coupling agents, and so on. At the same time, I can tell you that we are working on the new systems. It's more or less three years, and we are achieving very good clinical results. But if you go to the chemical department of my university and you ask them May I etch a polycrystalline material? They say, no, you cannot etch. In the meanwhile, the development, the implementation of the new molecules in the adhesive systems, may I mainly refer to universal resin cements, self-adhesive resin cements of the latest generation. I can tell you that the results right now are very, very interesting. I cannot tell you they are 
completely comparable to the addition we can achieve uh, on enamel with the three-step system. But the numerical values of addition are really, really interesting. I always say one more thing anyway. We do not have to forget that data from the lab or data from manufacturers, I mean, I refer to megapascal in terms of bone strength, are always recorded in a very clear and controlled situation. The bench test is completely different from uh, the adhesive cementation uh, in a Brookser, for example. You can achieve excellent adhesion, but then during the chewing, during the parafunctions, maybe you will have some interferences at level of the interfacial area of adhesion because of mechanical stresses. So we have to consider that the oral cavity is a very difficult environment to be faced. So I've described you my standard approach to different kinds of situations in terms of looting, but I can tell you that I always make very complex reasoning when I face a patient. So the patient-related uh, variables are the most important in uh, guiding me toward choice of uh, a material or uh, a looting system. Last week I also used one of the universal looting systems and it's kind of interesting since uh, the AEP primer which was recommended and they kind of told me that this primer gives a better adhesion and the cement, the universal cement, shrinks to the tooth. Can you tell us what this has for, for clinical advantages? Yes, I will deal with, with this topic in a, in a couple of weeks at the GC mini symposium that we are going to discuss online because unfortunately we, we cannot be in presence yet. And I can tell you that the AEP is a, a very interesting material according to me because it's extremely easy to use because it doesn't need any kind of polymerization. It's, it is not very operator uh, dependent. You can use it on uh, any kind of substrate. I don't want to spoil anything about my <laughs> future discussion. Anyway, I can tell you that I'm using it on uh, titanium basis for implant prosthodontics. I'm using it on uh, any kind of non-retentive preparation on uh, teeth with any kind of material. I can couple it with uh, conventional primers uh, or even without anything and just with the cement. And I do not have uh, right now laboratory evidences yet, but I can tell you that from a clinical viewpoint, uh, the material coupled with the new universal racing cement is very, very interesting. I have no experience in terms of uh, post-op sensitivity by patients. And right now, finger crossing, of course, <laughs> I had... Uh, No, no failures, no problems with the material in any kind of these restorations, in direct, in anterior and posterior, and both tooth supported and input supported. So I guess that this will be the technology of next 20 years, maybe. Okay, so when you look back a bit in the past on your adhesive looting, do you think this will change now in the future with these materials? Well, it will change uh, just like the old-fashioned self-adhesive racing cements, mainly in uh, posterior areas, according to me. When I talk to my students, I always make a great distinction in terms of uh, field isolation. 
So when I have to manage a complete clean substrate, just like enamel in an anterior area for direct or indirect restoration, just like ceramic veneers, I'm still using a conventional three-step approach. Not only because of the bone strength, if you correctly manage the clinical procedures, is definitely higher because we have numbers telling us that enamel dentin bonding systems nowadays have the same range of megapascals in the lab, but they do not have the same range of megapascals in the mouth because we cannot control the intrinsic moisture of natural tooth tissues and of the oral cavity. So I'm using a very good material, but because of my limited skill or because of some kind of uh, contaminants in the oral cavity, you can have a decrease up to half of the megapascal bone strength values. So in anterior areas, I still prefer a conventional three-step approach, for sure. Also because I've seen with my eyes that the problems related to staining and discoloration of the margins with the three-step adhesive and luting systems is very less evident over time than if we use any kind of simplified system. And I mean any kind. So the two-step or the one-bottle or even the universal luting. For sure, in posterior areas where you have to manage sometimes uh, deep dentin, so an intrinsic moist substrate, or when you don't have, do not have, for example, very much time to work. Because, George, let's say not all the patients are really compliant in terms of uh, isolation. I have different patients that when they see the rubber dam, they are kind of scared. So you have sometimes to lute, for example, four posterior only, and you have to be quick. So for sure, this kind of simplified system will change our clinical approach. Of course, we have always to keep in mind that the conventional principles of adhesion, of direct restorative or indirect prosthodontics are the same, just like in the 80s. So we have to be very precise, very careful, very clean, in all our steps, in all our clinical steps. Since I kind of always also know you for glass fiber posts, so we have to ask you, looting of the glass fiber post, uh, mm -hmm. is it a good idea to use this universal looting presence or should we stick to the not old-fashioned way, <laughs> to the standard dual cube way? No, for sure the fiber post uh, is... Uh... Another word, I really felt this topic because, you know, when I was a, a PhD student in Siena, my PhD thesis was uh, about fiber pores. So we have dealt with this topic for more than uh, 15 years. And I can tell you that nowadays I still use fiber posts and uh, very, very different clinical situation. And uh, since my first glass fiber post, I've always used uh, self-adhesive cements. Oh, so okay. because, yes, yes, because of the, the quality of adhesion you can achieve in a root canal is very, very different from uh, the adhesion you can achieve uh, on uh, a superficial dentin because of the anatomy of the dentin. So I've always preferred to use this kind of uh, simplified systems Although I can tell you that uh, going against the indication of the manufacturers, I always make a kind of uh, degreasing of the root canal before making my adhesion. 
and they can decide to degrees with uh, ethanol, for example. So I generally use 96, 96% uh, ethanol. So just uh, rubbing and brushing my um, bristles inside the root canal and then waiting for the air to do all the job. Or sometimes I use uh, phosphoric acid, but I'm not intended to etch the root canal dentin. I just want to clean from the to clean it from the debris. Oh. And then I use a one-shot approach. So I generally use simplified dual cure adhesive systems of different brands. And I do not like to light cure inside root canal the bonding agent because we have seen that uh, many, many times you can achieve a kind of uh, increased thickness that can interfere with the interfacial adhesion of the fiber post. So I prefer just to place my bonding and very quickly I put the cement inside uh, the canal and on the tip of the post and I use the post to gently push over the canal the the cement. But uh, I can tell you that the self-adhesive cements or nowadays the universal cements are for sure the, the first choice for this kind of approach according to me. Interesting. Or uh, usually in the past, I used like the premium bond with the DCA, but mm -hmm. I still light cured it because I was told it has some benefits if you light cure it. So you would say your recommendation is not to light cure it at all. Well, it, it's not a recommendation. It, it okay. depends. Uh, it, it also depends on the type of post you're using. I'm using a kind of system that is in the shape exactly identical to the burr you use to prepare the Dover space. And I've seen in my samples that many times if you use a kind of thick bonding agent, you can achieve at the tip of the root canal some increased thickness. But it's completely up to the operator. I can also tell you that many manufacturers producing uh, simplified resin cements, advise not to use the bonding. So you just use the resin cement and everything is up to the cement. So I guess that uh, you can choose in between the two approaches according to your attitude. Basically, I still recommend the use of bonding instead of the solely the cement because uh, I know that you can increase the flowability of the cement inside the root canal. Don't forget that... Uh, A root canal is a very, very deep first class. So we have a C factor, very not uh, advantageous for uh, the polymerization shrinkage. So I mainly use the bonding to increase the flowability of the cement rather than for purely adhesion. Okay. You might get some questions from me during your lecture. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure about that. You know that Leticia and all the GC staff asked me to present something about fiber posts, but I'm not sure after this discussion with you. <laughs> no, just joking. Uh, for sure, we will, we will have so many topics to discuss during the mini symposium. It will be interesting, for sure. Shall you attend the mini symposium during my lecture or not? Well, I'll do it. <laughs> There's no reason not to attend. <laughs> I just looked up your title of your lecture, GSEM1, the one that simplifies. Simplifies. I think you already teased a lot for your lecture. I think everybody is quite excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely we have. And I, I as usually, have a, a great problem because... Uh, 
I'm used to cut and paste my lectures during the last night before the presentation, <laughs> while this time I have to make everything uh, quicker, but I'm a good point. Maybe within tomorrow I will finish the outline of the presentation for sure. Although I, I can confess that I have uh, one case that I will cement uh, next Tuesday, and I would like to put some pictures of this case because it's interesting. Um, we will see, okay. <laughs> In my lecture, I always try to have a case of the same week. So uh -huh. I can tell them basically that's how I do. In some cases, I can't show just a, can show a five-minute follow-up. Follow-up, uh, yeah. <laughs> just a five-minute follow-up. <laughs> When you can tell everybody that let's see how it uh, will look in a year. Right now, I like this part. I didn't like this part. And yeah. um, This way, due to the pictures, you can see in one year or maybe five years, if you still kind of like this case and you have pictures to show, it's always good. I always, when I look at my pictures of uh, one week before, I'm always not satisfied because I always want to reach something more, something more. There, you, you know, I'm uh, convinced that uh, we can learn from everybody and in any case, for sure. So we just have to go a little further, a little further for uh, day by day in, in our clinical practice. The aim of this lecture will be to have uh, just like some clinical cases uh, to show how the GSM one can be really versatile. As regards the follow-ups, uh, I agree with you that uh, if you perform your uh, clinical step wisely, and I'm sure that we, we are average dentists, but we We try to do our best every day. I guess that the, the characteristics of nowadays materials are really reliable. So I'm pretty sure that if you made a very good restoration, just like yours, because I've seen your lectures and you are a top-notch restorative dentist, I'm sure that in five years you will have exactly the same picture, maybe with a little staining, because uh, our restoration uh, live with our patients. So it's normal that uh, the aging will occur for sure but i i'm pretty sure that five minutes or two year follow-up will be more, more or less the same so i'm looking really forward for a lecture roberto thanks thank a lot you for your time thank you very much and now thank you for dedicating some time uh, on saturday <laughs> to this podcast <laughs> thank you too <laughs> no, no, actually we can everyone it's quite in the early the day so it's nice to have a start with nice weather today <laughs> yeah in germany there will be nice weather today yeah what about the weather in germany here in italy today it will be nice okay great 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 because here in italy until one week ago it was still uh spring late spring but it's two days that it's just like summer so it's very nice to go out just for a walk because we, you know we have summer restrictions yet but we can go out for mm. for walks to the seaside so that's actually good. last week we even had snow in some parts of germany <laughs> oh. so it was a mix out of rain and snow and everybody thought well this can't be true wow then i'll say goodbye and see you soon online Thank you very much, George. Have a nice weekend and thank you for your kindness and see you very early. Bye.